0: It is 4.30, and so we start the Colts pregame on call-in. I want to hear from you. I want to know what you think about this deal. This is going to be an interesting game, baby. You know what? This
1: is – I – boy, you want to stay away from –
0: That things are going to happen, that, it, it, that bells are going to ring that you can't unring. And, and one of them, it, it depends upon how they lose, if they lose. And if they lose because Matt Ryan can't hold on to the damn football, then you got to sit Matt Ryan. You can't have, you know, Matty Fumbles as the guy who leads his team week in and week out and he puts all on the carpet. Now, if they win, everything's perfect. You know, everything's Jake as they said in the thing, right? Uh, best picture of 1973, 74, whatever it was. It was a great picture. At any rate, if they win, they go to 2-2-1, two, two, and one, and 2-2-1 two, two, and one will tie them for first place in the AFC South, and all good things can happen. If they lose, it's completely different calculus for this season. Matt Ryan, nine fumbles through four games. That is historic. I, I cannot believe that Matt Ryan has fumbled the ball nine times in four games. Did you know that Carson Wentz fumbled the football last year in 17 games? He fumbled it eight times. Matt Ryan through four games has already fumbled the football more often than Carson Wentz did. And Carson Wentz was run out of town on a rail, rightly so, in answer to some of his turnovers. All right, let's go straight to the phones because this is about you. This isn't about me. Let's go to Patrick. How you doing, Patrick? Make sure to mute yourself. What are you looking for tonight,
2: Ken? How you doing?
0: I'm doing great. I'm kind of on pins and needles,
2: waiting to see what happens in about four hours. <laughs> yeah, me as well. Um, I was just thinking, and even thinking back to last year, I would like to see tonight kind of what the kind of what the Jags uh, did to us this year, where we're not seeing pass plays taking so long to develop. I mean, you would see. Carson Wentz and I know he wasn't the greatest decision maker but Matt as well kind of sit in the pocket double clutch go through all of his progressions have to go through them again I would like to see kind of what they what the Jags did to us where you take a seven, take a seven yard pass as a nice and almost you know kind of you know and if you want the receivers to go down the field that's when you play act it seems like maybe a lot of our shotgun pass plays are just taking too long to develop, and they're, we're not really helping our, our weak offensive line out too much.
0: You know what? I can throw a little bit of uh, illumination on this, and I appreciate you calling, uh, Patrick. The, Matt Ryan is Matt Ryan, and, and Matt Ryan so far in time to throw, he's like 2.77 sec- or 2.78 this year. Last year with the Falcons, he's 2.77. It seems like guys who process quickly, and Phillip Rivers was one of those guys who processes quickly, whether Phillip was here or whether he was with the Chargers, he quickly went through his progressions and delivered the football. Matt Ryan, whether he's with the Falcons or whether he's with the Colts, he's kind of plotting in the way he does that. Carson Wentz, similar to uh, – similar to Matt Ryan in that way where he's just too slow in getting rid of the football. And it's not a matter of protection. It's a matter of delivering the football and it's not about measuring time in pocket. It's time to throw. And Matt Ryan is always ranking somewhere in the high teams, meaning like 18, 19 into the twenties in time to throw. And the guys who rank high this year, Brady, Rodgers. And uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, those guys get rid of the football on time. And Matt Ryan just kind of takes a while to get there. And Matt Ryan, part of the reason for the fumbles, I was on uh, football radio a little bit ago. In fact, I think it's playing right now. Um, Matt Ryan, uh, Brett Rump, uh, he was correct in talking about this, brings it way low. It's almost like he's throwing a baseball. He doesn't keep it. He didn't have it at the ear hole and then pop it. He, he kind of brings it down, and, and when you throw it like that, you open yourself up to giving up fumbles, and that's what Matt Ryan's done. And he never did this in this number when he was in Atlanta, so that's a little bit different. The high watermark for Matt Ryan in terms of fumbles was 12 before this year. He's got nine through four games. You can't have that. You, you can't win football games if you've got a quarterback fumbling two and one quarter times per game. You just can't. You turn it over because some of those are going to wind up being turnovers. If you have the kind of offense that the Colts have, and it's a ball control offense, we all know that. That's what they want to do. They want to possess the football and limit the number of, of uh, possessions that the other team's got. They want to do – that's their plan. And in in executing that plan – you got to make sure you take good care of the football because if you're only going to have the football nine times a game and you give it away twice, those are two empty possessions where you're seeding field position to your opponent. And that's why Frank Wright going for it, let's say last year we talked about it a lot, the The game against the Titans where the Colts are up 14 nothing, They got the ball in Tennessee territory, in this case on the 40, and it's fourth and four. And Frank Reich, instead of putting it and using Rigoberto Sanchez to kind of pin the Titans, maybe inside their own 10, maybe inside their own five. What Reich does is go for it, comes up empty, the Titans score, they get all the momentum, and all of a sudden it's a different football game. You cannot have that kind of thing happen when you're going to possess the football nine times. You can't give it away. You've got to play field position as well as ball possession. If you do that, you got a chance. but if you turn it over, like I said, turn it over twice. Last week, they turned it over three times. If you're going to have it four times a half and you're going to turn over turn it over three times in a game, that's thirty seven and a half percent of your possessions ending where you neither advance the football meaningfully via punt or you know you you don't score points, right, and both in all likelihood. So you you can't you can't do that. That's not winning football, and that's what the Colts have kind of put themselves in a position to do. I don't think that you can be a riverboat gambler like Frank Reich likes to be with plays on fourth down. If you're going to play ball possession football, you just can't do it. You've got to advance the ball. If you've got a, a punter, and hopefully Hawk is this guy who can maintain what Sanchez did and have a net average of somewhere 43, 44 yards, that'd be great. Moving the ball 44 yards in the opposite direction of the team that you're playing against is going to attack is really meaningful in terms of reducing the likelihood of them scoring. That's important. And it's going to be important tonight in Denver. And if Matt Ryan can't hold on to football, I really think he put – you put Reich and Ballard in a position where they have almost no choice but to go somewhere else. What is the point of continuing to throw Matt Ryan out there if Matt Ryan isn't going to be able to get out of the way, if he's going to put the ball on the carpet, if he's going to throw interceptions periodically? What's the point of having him out there at all when it becomes so much more difficult to win with him out there? I don't think, you know what, Nick Foles is not a great quarterback. He's not even a great backup quarterback, but what he is, is a guy who for really good teams is going to win football games. He did it with the Eagles, right? Did it kind of with the Bears a little bit, not last year. He had one game last year. He beat Seattle, right? With bad teams like the Rams and the Jaguars, he ain't going to be able to get nothing done. And he didn't. Is this a good team? Is this a bad team? The Colts think they're a pretty good team. If they're a good team, Nick Foles is going to be fine as a starting quarterback. And if he can't do it, put Sam Ellinger back in there and, and let's see what he does. Whether he's a, an exhibition game or preseason game, you know, the, the Hall of Famer, or, or whether he's a guy in a regular season can get something done and win some football games. Let's see. And you got to ask this, too. You know, at one point... Here here's what Jim Ursay pays attention to. Jim Ursay pays attention to his gut primarily, and then he also pays attention to fans. And if fans start to kind of abdicate their position as staunch advocates of this franchise, that's gonna be meaningful to Jim Ursay. Is Jim Ursay gonna do something that he hasn't done in the twenty-five years that he has run this operation since the death of his father? Is he going to pull the trigger on a coach mid-season? He didn't even do that with Jim Caldwell in 2011 when the Colts were on their way to, you know, sucking for luck. It's going to be considered. And then he's going to start to consider whether Chris Ballard is the right guy. If the Colts win this game, they're not thinking any of those thoughts. And all of a sudden, it's a very, very different landscape that these guys are negotiating. And that's really the cool thing about the NFL. Every game means so much. It's just awesome, isn't it? Every coach, and and people in the NFL always say this. Fans say it too. Every coach is a three-game losing streak away from being fired. And I think every coach is a three-game winning streak away from saving his job. And I think that Frank Reich can save his job starting tonight and then a week from Sunday against the Jags here at Lucas Oil Stadium, and the following weekend in Nashville. You win those three games. All of a sudden, you're 4-2-1, and one, and you're looking really good. If you lose all three of those games, you're 1-5-1, and one, and, man, you're pushing up daisies, baby. It's over. The season will have ended. If you win two of the three, you look pretty good. You win one of the three, not so good. These three games are huge for the Colts. Let's uh, let's go to the Colts. Let's go to uh, JP. How you doing, JP?
2: i uh, not doing too bad. I'll tell you, we, first of all, they're not going to fire Reich. That's not going to happen. There's nothing to be gained by firing Reich. The guy's got a winning record. He's had a different starting quarterback every year. Yeah, I know we've heard all the excuses, but – a lot of that uh, rests, I think, on Ballard. He's the one that has that has uh, steered the ship with a different quarterback every year and hasn't made the move to to change that. The other thing is, is, how would you like to be Denver right now? I think I'd rather be us than Denver with our quarterback situation because they just re-upped Russell Wilson to a new contract. And I, I wouldn't want that contract. I mean, seeing him play this year, he doesn't look much behind Ryan and they just re-signed him for how many? Is it three or four years? They yeah, just...
0: it's it's a tragic contract. It, you if you're Denver, It's really bad.
2: Yeah. So would you? You tell me. Would you? Would you? Would you flip the the uh, quarterback?
0: I would rather be where the Colts are right now. I think you're exactly right. I would not look. You're without Randy Gregory if you're the Broncos, and you're without Javante Williams. And I'm not sure how you move the football with Russell Wilson, given the fact that his right shoulder's kind of dinged up. I don't know how badly. I, I'd much rather have Matt Ryan, Philip Lindsay, Naheem Hines, and, and then the defense for the Colts going up against that offensive line. They got good tackles, but they are at guard center and guard really, really wanting. And I think if you do the right thing schematically, you can put a lot of pressure on Wilson and collapse that pocket.
2: Right. One more thing, Kent. Um, I think that this game is somewhat irrelevant. The next two are the season. So, whether we win or, I mean, winning tonight would be great. If we win the next three, we're going to feel like kings of the hill in the, in the, you know, in the conference and or in the division. And we're going to be one of the better teams in the conference with that record. But the next two games are really the key. Um, Those are the games we have to win. And, and so tonight would just be a bonus uh, icing on the cake. But the next two divisional games, if we lose those, there's really not much of a chance we're going to win the division. So that's my that's thought. That's very Kent.
0: true. Th- Thank you, JP. <laughs> I appreciate it. And you you bring up a good point. JP brings up a good point. And that is that firing a guy isn't really the – that's half the equation. The other half of the equation is replacing him. Who's going to replace him? And for anybody who's managed at any level, like if you're – if like I managed the programming for sports talk and news talk radio stations, right? And if I was going to fire somebody, I had to have somebody that I was going to replace that person with who was going to be an upgrade or then I'm going to get fired. You know what I mean? So if you're going to – if Jim Ursay is going to seriously consider firing Frank Reich, which I think he would, he's got to have somebody in the wings ready to step up and be an upgrade immediately for the rest of this season. Now, John Fox is in the building, and Gus Bradley's there, but you've got to ask yourself, are these the guys that I want to entrust my franchise with for the rest of this season? Because I've seen what's gone wrong when my dad did it with Ron Meyer, and like he liked firing coaches in the middle of the season and indulging his ill temper. He and that Jim Ursay. Saw how deleterious that was to the franchise, and he will not do it. Let's go to Kyle Fitz. Kyle, make sure and unmute yourself. How you doing, brother?
1: Hey, Kent. Good. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Good. Um, I uh, I wanted to bring this up. I saw read this online somewhere, um, and I I thought it was interesting. I don't know still how I feel about it yet, but it's uh, at least different thinking than um, uh, the, some of the doom and gloom. Um, sure. That I've heard. So, uh, is it is there any credence to us kind of taking um, a a different look at the season this year as kind of a rebuilding season with new position coaches, um, new QB, learning a new offense? Um, we have a new we have a first round next year, and I think we'll be two second rounders. Yep. Do we need to take a little patience here with the whole team in general, and with Matt Ryan? learning new system and think of this as kind of a rebuilding year um, instead of, okay, this isn't working out. Let's, you know, clear house. How, how much credence do we get that? And I will say it's uh, at odds with the, at least at odds with the message that the ownership has given us is we're that in is win now mode, right? So I think that's, that's where the, the some of the venom comes from, but you know,
0: if if you set the expectations that we're in win-now mode and we're a yeah. team that is in the game, in the conversation to win a Super Bowl, then that is who you are and what you are. And yeah. that fans, and God bless you for thinking this way, Kyle, if it takes fans to kind of slap the franchise into you know logic and reason and say, look, you're not ready, we're willing to take a breath and go into the offseason – And retool a little bit and use the draft equity we've got to improve this roster in a way that's going to substantially move us toward a championship. That's cool. That's asked backwards, right? We need ownership and management to set that as the expectation. And fans need to be dragged kicking and screaming into accepting it. I love that. Like, you're, you're such a great circumspect guy that that you're willing to allow yourself to talk yourself into it, and you don't need <laughs> the franchise to do it for you. I think that's I, wonderful and says a lot about yeah, your
1: character. I, yeah, I think I'm out of options. <laughs> 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 I, I got to get, get creative over here. <laughs> All right, brothers. Thank
0: you for the call. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. it, Kyle. That's a great Kyle Fitz. Uh, and uh, you know what? He's right. Maybe that's what this fr- where this franchise is. We've been down this road before. If you were around in 2015, you know what that was like. You know, in 2014, the Colts go to the AFC Championship game. They lose at Foxborough Stadium in the Deflate Gate game. And all of a sudden, you know, they go out and Grigson signs Andre Johnson and Frank Gore and, and these guys who are supposed to put the Colts over the hump. Well, that didn't happen. Everybody thought, okay, here's the championship, you know, run. So at the end of 2015, Jim Irsay calls a press conference like at 1030 at night out on West 56th Street, where he walks into the media room and like everybody's there. We're like, what the hell is going to go on here? And he walks in with both Ryan Grigson and Chuck Pagano and says, here's our, our leadership team. They're going to remain intact. We're, uh, we're riding with both these cats. And Ryan Grigson looked furious. Like, he looked like he was the least happy guy in the world, and Chuck Pagano's just beaming, and Jim Ursay's beaming, and and you watch this, and and I was in the room, and I thought, this is really dysfunctional. This is just wrong. Like, something has gone wrong here in a way that nobody's recovering from. Grigson's going to be gone. Pagano's going to be gone. It's just a matter of time, and it was. Grigson was gone after the next season. Pagano was gone after the season uh, following. Ballard had him for a year and then decided, hey, we got to make a change. And, and you wind up with Reich because Josh McDaniels says yes and then says no. Would the Colts have been able to get Mike Vrabel if they hadn't agreed to terms with Josh McDaniels? He, he interviewed for this job, too. It's just wild and wacky. And, and the thing that makes it wild and wacky is Jim Ursay because he's the guy who can't be replaced, right? An Ursay has owned the Indianapolis Colts and back to the Baltimore Colts for about 50 years. And in that period of time, uh, I don't think they owned it that first year. I think that was still Carol Rosenblum who owned it when they won that championship, like in 71. But after that, there's been one championship, two Super Bowls, uh, a wonderful time. All kinds of Hall of Famers on the roster and, and great like leadership from Billion and, and Tony Dungy was wonderful as a, a head coach. I thought Jim Caldwell was a really good head coach. And then that game against the Jets, and I know this is like a trip down memory lane, but in 2009, the Colts 14-0 undefeated. They are the better team against the Jets at Lucas Oil Stadium. And all of a sudden, the Colts decide to get smart, and they take everybody out. And Peyton Manning's fuming, Gary Brackett's fuming. That entire roster was furious. Jeff Saturday, furious that the chance at an undefeated season, which means untold wealth for the rest of your life, right, they would be a historic franchise, and everybody on it would be lauded until the end of time. And they'd be able to profit from that. And they know that. They're business people. And and no, they pull them all out. And Jim Ursay, in the dark of his suite, according to somebody who was there, just trashed the place through chairs. He was furious. This is what Jim Ursay does. When he gets pissed off, he gets angry. He remembers why. And, and it never goes away. That debit with with Bill Polian as kind of the author of Throwing Away the Undefeated Season, that that just sat there in Jim Ursay's brain. And when all of a sudden things got a little bit dicey in 2011, pop goes the weasel. The weasel go pop, right? And Bill Polian's a goner. Otherwise, I think if Polian rides it out in 2009, whatever happens... And it beats the Jets that that Sunday at Lucas Oil Stadium. Then goes to Buffalo and wins, and whatever happens in the playoffs, I think he winds up being the general manager or the president or whatever he was at that point. I think his son Chris was a general manager then. All of a sudden, you're you're looking toward uh, another, you know, at least half a decade with Bill Polian. Anyway, that's got nothing to do with tonight's game. Tonight's game against the Broncos. And and here's one area where I'll kind of I'll diverge from the, the logical take that JP brought a few minutes ago. Uh, this is a meaningful game. This is a game where either that team stands up and says, we're here to play winning football or they don't. And if they don't and they get beat tonight, and, and there are different ways to get beat. I mean, if they get beat... Because, you know, of a 53-yard field goal at the uh at the horn, you know, okay, all right, but if you get beat, let's say 31 to 17 or or 28 uh 10, there's gonna be hell to pay. This isn't gonna be good. And and the hell to pay would be correct because you've got to compete. If you're gonna get paid, look, Quentin Nelson, God bless him. But if Quentin Nelson is going to get paid $20 million a year to play left guard, then he better be a mauler. He better go out. And and there are reports that he's pissed off um, and was pissed off that the extension talks took until right before the beginning of the regular season. Well, you know what? To hell with you. If he's mad, get bent. Start start blocking. Earn your money for the love of God. I, I hope he's not that petulant. That would be utterly disappointing, and and you really can't tell whether Quentin is, is upset or not. He always kind of appears upset. He's always very curt with the media, uh, never smiles, one-word answers, two-word answers, maybe a sentence if he's feeling gabby. But you never really see Quentin Nelson as a guy who is a, a willing chatterbox. That's just not the guy, not a smiley character. He's not Andrew Luck. Quentin Nelson getting paid that kind of money, he's got to go out and earn it. Braden Smith getting paid that kind of money, he's got to earn it. Ryan Kelly, same thing. And we know what Ryan Kelly went through. And don't, don't as you evaluate Ryan Kelly as a member of the offensive line that's underperforming, understand that his life changed radically about 10 months ago in a way that, that most of us can't even imagine what that pain was. And it, it, he and his wife, uh, you know, losing their child. that That's something that is almost impossible to get over. And it changes your life. And maybe it changed the way he plays football. I don't know. I don't know him well enough to say. But maybe it changed the way he sees his his future and, and his vocation. I don't know. But those guys making a lot of money to go knock men down in the trenches of an NFL game they got to figure it out and they got to get busy right now tonight in doing that they've got a team who on the edge they're not very good because Randy Gregory's out and then at defensive tackle they're not very good either and you're facing a team who's not good up the middle on the offensive side of the line and if you if you cover the guard center and guard kind of a a mutation of that 46 defense that the bears played in 85 and that kind of became in vogue and, and keeps coming back in some form or another. And then, you know, a variety of mutations. If you cover those guys, you're going to get people to Russell Wilson and you're going to collapse that pocket. And if you collapse the pocket on Russell Wilson, you got a chance to put him into some chaos. And through that chaos, You can win that game, and you can go get turnovers. The Colts, to this point, they've created three turnovers. They've given the ball away nine times. Minus six, man, through four games. That's awful. they got to flip that switch. they they got to flip the script and get this thing to where they're creating turnovers and holding on to the ball offensively. And if they can do that tonight, they're going to win this game. I think they got a great chance to win this game. I think they're going to beat the Jaguars next Sunday because the Jaguars, they haven't beaten the Colts. The Jaguars coming to Indy is kind of like Indy going to the Jaguars. Indy going to Jacksonville. Here, the Colts beat the Jaguars. And so next weekend, you got a really good chance to get that done. Then you go to Nashville. And if they split these two games, if they split Broncos and Jags, That game in Nashville is for all the marbles. So winning tonight kind of ensures, at the very minimum, they're playing for their season when they go to Nashville and maybe putting themselves in a position with a win tonight and a week from Sunday, putting them in a position to go ahead and take control of the AFC South. That could happen. Uh, Activate yourself as a caller. I want to hear from you. I'm, I'm tired of hearing from me. I know exactly what I think about the Colts and the Broncos tonight in Denver, and I think the Colts are going to win this game because, frankly, it's just too depressing not to. With, without hope, I, what do we got? I, I got people on the YouTube channel, right, and all kinds of comments, and I love the comments. It's my favorite part. When the, doing breakfast with Kenton inside Indiana Sports Now. I love it. The comments are fantastic, but there are people who get really, really cynical about the Colts. And, and say, all hope's lost, I'm not going to watch anymore. I, I don't understand allowing the fortunes of a football team to determine whether or not I enjoy looking ahead to what's going on this weekend. You know what I mean? Like tonight's game, I'm looking forward to it. If I thought that this was going to be some kind of, you know, football version of an assassination, I, I wouldn't look forward to it. I, I'd think, oh, no. You know, why am I going to put myself through this? So, over the course of the week, which is also why the NFL is just so cool, you ratchet yourself into a measure of belief. Maybe through realism, but belief. And and then you watch a game and you're either disappointed or you're euphoric. And it, it all works. You know what I mean? I think they got a hell of a chance tonight. I, I think they're going to win this game. I think Matt Ryan is going to put the weight of the franchise on his skinny shoulders, and I think it's all going to work out. Not having Jonathan Taylor, I think it's okay. That offensive line's going to job. They're going to open holes for Philip Lindsay and Naheem Hines. They're going to protect Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's going to find the tight ends, going to find the wide receivers. They're going to move the football, and they're going to be a little bit dynamic because if they're not, and if that defense doesn't generate turnovers, then all is lost, and I refuse to believe that all is going to be lost. It, it's October sixth. All can't be lost on October sixth, for for a team that we all thought was, you know, going to, at the very minimum, compete for the AFC South Championship. It, it, this key, we can't have that, right? Well, I'll wait till as long as they're alive in December. Then you know, kicks the can down the road, and it's okay. I don't need them to go to the go to the playoffs. I'd like it. It would be best if they did. Actually, I do need them to go to the playoffs. If they don't go to the playoffs, Frank Reich's a goner. And it might be right that he would be. But I think you've really got to look at Chris Ballard too, because Chris Ballard's ideology of building from the inside out it is just way too nineteen eighty two for me. You know, that's the way the Redskins were built back in the eighties. And it worked. But since then, there have been adjustments to the rules of football that put the passing game at a premium and kind of take the ball out of a guy like Walter Payton's hands or John Riggins' hands or Roger Craig's hands. You know, you you need to be able to throw the ball. You need a dynamic weapon. You need a Tyreek Hill. So what did the Dolphins do? They went out and got him a Tyreek Hill. They got the Tyreek Hill. And now Tua, all of a sudden... Concussion notwithstanding, looks like a really good National Football League quarterback. I don't know what kind of offensive line the Dolphins have. I have no idea. But I know this. They score points. And the Colts haven't scored more than 20 points since, sheesh, well, it was uh, a long time. It was Christmas night against the Arizona Cardinals the last time they did. Now, three of the games since. They've scored twenty, and last weekend against the Titans, they would have scored twenty if the field goal goes through the uprights, but it didn't. So they scored seventeen. This is a team that has got to find a way to score points, and I don't under—I think Frank Reich has been become so dependent upon analytics and upon thinking the game and the intellectual process of putting together a game plan that he's he's forgotten that football is a game played by men and requires a certain amount of humanity in order to be successful. I don't think he gets that, and he needs to get it, or he needs to get gone and replaced by somebody who does get it. Look at – last weekend, you look at Frank Reich on one side. I don't mean to keep crapping on Frank Reich. But you look at Frank Reich, and then on the other sideline, you look at Mike Vrabel. If you were a football player, which sideline would you rather be on? Which head head coach would you rather answer to? Mike Vrabel or Frank Reich? Like, are you kidding me? It's not even close. And I know that judging a coach by face and by demeanor is kind of silly. You've had different kinds of guys. Like what Dick Vermeil and Bill Belichick, not much in common, right? Mike Ditka and Bill Walsh, not much in common in terms of physicality or, or comportment or any of that. But you know, you gotta have something and I'm not sure what the something is that Frank Reich's got other than a mind that craves uh, validation through, uh, his his own schematic excellence. Don't complicate winning. That's a great thing, right? That Bob Knight had that painted in the Indiana locker room. Don't complicate winning. First of all, you shouldn't start anything with don't. But that aside, how about simplify winning? That I like better. Make winning simple. Winning can be simple. Simplify the game. Then go play. Don't complicate the game. I think that the Colts go way beyond reason in complicating football, and I think it's a mess. Uh, one, more, uh, one more call. Let's talk to Kyle. Kyle, how you doing?
1: Uh, good, Kat. Uh, yeah, I think you, um, like, nailed it on the head with, uh, with everybody's um, strife over how the games have turned out this year or their performance. You want to look to Reich and see a reaction. And he, that is not his mode of operation, right? He, right. he doesn't react. Um, while we're all, you know, feeling these emotions, it's hard to look at him kind of blank faced, right? Um, I also think you've made an a, um, allusion to um, getting the team ready to play, right? Uh, his The team matches his demeanor, right? Yeah. Even Keel, slow, like, you know, we were pretty steady. We don't jump out any, on anybody fast in a game or in the season. That's not been his. And, and I think some of it is just, uh, tired of that mentality from the, from the fans. Yeah. Um, I think like, but you, but you do have to kind of balance it, right? You don't want, now I hear you talk about, uh, a i'm drawing a blank uh tom allen uh, tom allen yeah you don't you don't want that either no. but no. you know I, I will say there is something to be said to get your players motivated with some emotion um von miller coming out and saying you know he loved that when uh who was the offensive coordinator uh you know broke the ipad or broke
2: the oh, device
1: yeah. Ken dorsey. And, like yeah ken dorsey I Sometimes it's good. Sometimes you need to light a fire under somebody's butt, like, yep. yeah, you need, yeah. yeah. I, so I totally I agree. I, I think that that's
0: so important to make sure that people know you're emotionally invested, and, that within reason. And you know, I, I knew you were talking about Tom Allen, like, was, yeah, yeah you, like you can't. Set, every first down is not cause to jump up and down and throw your fist in the air. But I think it's – here. here's the thing. The moment that I really – I thought, uh-oh, I'm not sure I'm a Frank Reich guy, it was during Hard Knocks last year when Quentin Nelson came on field and said, hey, can we call a straight run once? And Frank Reich, in answering about that, said he loved it because Quentin Nelson, like he's earned the ability to do that. But in the moment, you saw fear in Frank Reich's eyes. It was like Frank Reich wasn't sure whether Quinn hit him in the head. And, and that should never happen with a coach. A, a, an authority figure can never look subservient in any way to one of those he manages. You can you can like reach out and get all the input you can, and that's wonderful. That's good management. But you can't look afraid of those you lead. And that's what I saw with Frank Reich. I saw fear in his eyes because he looked at Quentin Nelson, and he saw those dead shark eyes and kind of that angry grit-in-the-teeth thing like Dick Butkus, and I think he almost shit himself. And as a coach, you can't shit yourself. We all know that. Um, Hey, game tonight, looking forward to it. I think the Colts win, and all this consternation, at least I hope, all this consternation about Frank Reich and Matt Ryan is completely wasted. And this team finds a way through the next three weeks. And after a win against the Titans, which will follow a win against the Jaguars, we're talking about how good this team looks. That's what we're hoping for. We'll see if that happens tonight. Step one of three, here it is. A three-act play that is going to mean the entire season. 815, it's on Amazon Prime. And if you live in Indianapolis, it's also on RTV6. So you don't have to get Amazon Prime. If you don't want, although it's a good deal,
1: we're subscribed. We will talk about whatever it
0: is we see. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a win. I'm trying to talk myself into it, aren't I?